Welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm glad you've taken time out of your day to be part of our podcast, to download it and listen to it. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others if you're enjoying it. If you have any biblical questions, you can submit them through our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase. There you can also find links to our Twitter account and LinkedIn account. We're kind of just getting that going, and hopefully uh, that will pick up soon. We also uh, encourage you to go to our webpage to find out more about us, and if you'd like us to be able to, to support us and sponsor us in some way. We have a worldwide audience, uh, over 60 countries uh, at last count, that are listening to us on a weekly basis, and we praise God for that. We hope and pray that you're one of them and you're truly benefiting and getting something out of this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about your religion will kill you. Your religion will kill you. And I want to start off by reading a scripture reading out of Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all gave out of their surplus, but into one of the offerings. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. As we begin this podcast today, I want us to stop and think about who we really are. Why, why do we go to worship? Why do we claim to give offerings to God? Are we really giving offerings to God? Do we really give our very best to the Lord? And the answer probably, sadly for everybody, including me, is probably not always or as often as we say we do. But if Christ himself was standing right next to you as the uh, offering plate was coming by, what would you really put in? And what would your response be as he speaks to the prophet Malachi? That's what we're going to start here today. Malachi chapter 1. We all can verbally state, uh, if we can give our really best to Christ, but you and I probably, if we really say that, are giving lip service to each other. In other words, we're just trying to, to look good in front of others. But the Almighty One, the ever-present One, He knows. In Malachi chapter 1, 6-14 through 14, reads this, As a son honors his father, a servant his master, then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priest who despise my name, but you say, How have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, How have we defiled you? In that you say that the table of the Lord is being disrespected. Verse 8. But when you present the blind for a sacrifice... Is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Would he receive you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. But now you will not entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us. 
with such an offering on your part? Will he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there will be among one of you who would shut the gates, and that you might not uselessly kindle the fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. From the rising of the sun even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and every place incense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. But you are profaning it, in that you say, The table of the Lord is defined for its fruit, and its food is to be despised. You may also say, My, how tiresome it is that you just sniff at it. Say that to the Lord of hosts. And you bring what is taken by robbery, what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? says the Lord. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows, vows it but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Now, you might be asking yourself, when did we ever say that the table of the Lord is, is despised? He said, well, we would never say that. We are good Christian people. We would never say Jesus is not number one in our lives. How dare you even implicate that? We would never say our lives, our homes, or our jobs, our hobbies are more important than Christ. A few who are listening here on this podcast might be really thinking already, uh, this podcast, this little sermon here, uh, this is about somebody else, because I would never really do that. And I have to even ask myself, really, would I do that? You see, God, in the text that we just read, these people, these very people that God is talking to, they claim to be in a covenant relationship with him, and that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, it may not be with their mouths flapping in the wind, but rather that they're stating where their hearts were by their actions. You see, our actions do speak louder than our words, as the old saying goes. Go back and reread here verse 8 with me again. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? You know, God is really, this is a rhetorical question here on God's part. Of course it's evil. They know it's wrong. They know it's a sin. They've been taught this since the book of Leviticus. And really any wise fool could see that it would be evil. The people that God is talking to in this day, in this text, they know it's evil. The priests know it's evil. And it almost sounds like God is saying, How dumb do you think I really am? You see, because your governor, I know he would just be so excited that you would give him a lame animal for his collection. In modern terms, in the Western world, it might sound more like this. 
Go and offer your boss what you give to God and see how long you have a job. Offer to your friends what you offer to God. See how long you'll have a friend. So what does the father really demand from his children? Of course, I'm talking about God here. First question comes to mind is 10% of our gross income. Or is it 10% of our net income? Is it just an hour each Sunday morning? No. You see, God, the one that sits on the throne, he demands everything. Preaching that goes along these lines of, of give your heart to Jesus, but give me your hand. And, and preaching that teaches, just say this prayer and you'll be saved in five minutes. Those preachers, they're lying to you. You see, there's a much bigger cost than a two-minute prayer or a five minutes in a baptistry somewhere. The real cost of being a child of God is your life, every ounce of your time. Jesus promises us two things as Christians. And despite the wealth and prosperity gospel uh, that's usually preached in these sections of Scripture, Jesus only really promises two things. A cross of suffering and eternal life to those who are faithful unto death. That's a hard challenge for everybody if they're honest with themselves. You see, Jesus is everything to you and to I, or he is nothing. The saddest place on the entire planet is right here in America. You see, where we have people who have had just enough biblical knowledge to send themselves straight to hell. Where people ease their religious conscience by doing or saying that they are displeasing to the Lord, to the God Almighty. So many Americans uh, have so many idols in their life. And the Lord is not a photo finish even for first place. Sadly, he's not even the top ten in most people's lives. It is not giving unto the Lord unless you give him everything. Never forget what the widow lady that we read about in our scripture reading. When we say, well, I had to have money for food, clothing, and shelter. You know what? God already knows this. And when we say that kind of thing, we're just mocking God when we think these things and say these things. Is this how we really think? And I wonder, I really do, if we've missed the message. What would you do to me, O Lord? What would you have me teach? Teach me your ways, O Lord. Who do I have in heaven but you? Who do I have on this earth but you? Wait, because really you and I are nothing more than a vapor. You and I are nothing more than a speck of dust. How then shall we live for our God, the one who died and rose for us? This really, this should be the question everyone in the listening to the podcast should be asking themselves. You know, wearing a t-shirt that says, Jesus saves does not save you. Wearing a cross, a piece of jewelry, 
that does not save you. That has lost so much meaning in the Western world when it comes to jewelry. You see, knowing who he truly is, knowing what we, knowing that we were in a muck of sin, we were so deep in sin, and understanding that he has done everything for the cause of our salvation. You and I can't do anything to save ourselves. Lawbreakers cannot save themselves. But only Christ, his blood, his sacrifice, and the obedience to him and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. You see, we really do need to understand, especially in the Western world, the cost of discipleship. We have many listeners of this podcast now who are listening in, in nations where it is not legal, popular uh, to be a Christian. And I pray for these people every day. If you're listening today, I certainly hope that you know we're praying for you in the persecuted church. Because how many people in the Western world, they, they go to church, they, they hear a message, they're, they're baptized, and they seem to be doing well and excited about church, and all of a sudden, in less than six months, let's say, they're gone. They disappear. Because, you know, we never tell them, in my opinion, we never tell them the true cost of being a disciple for Jesus. At some point, someone will tell them that they must give their money, uh, their time, their knowledge, everything back to Christ. They need to support the local cause of the congregation that they must help the gospel spread, whether that's they do it themselves, take time out of their day, which in America, that's probably the most valuable thing that we have, is time. We don't seem to have enough of it. Somewhere along the way, the preacher will come by, or, or a leader in the church will come by and say, you know what, you must really give up your sinful life. And you start needing to hate the things that God hates. And that word in the English language has this idea of malice. But in Scripture, this idea of hate, God loved Jacob, you know, uh, hated Esau, loved Jacob. Well, that word hate in Scripture has more the meaning of rejected. And that's what we need to do. We, we need to reject the things that God hates. Reject the things that God rejects. You know, all of a sudden, being involved in Christianity for these people, when they, when they start really hearing the cost, Christianity loses its appeal. The church doesn't seem so much like a social club anymore. You know, I'm so th thankful for men in early on, as a young Christian, that, who really taught me the gospel. And they, and they kept following up with me. They kept encouraging me. And they gave me, up front, the cost of being a member of the Lord's army. A man who's long passed away, John Cunningham, uh, made it his mission to see that every new convert understood this costly step that one was about to make. So again, how then shall we live? I know we're all about me, myself, and I. As a whole, we are a self-centered people 
and really and truly I think we have it all wrong because you know honestly it is not about us it's not about you it's not about me all things were not really created for us or they were for us to use and have and enjoy but all things were created for God in his personal glory and pleasure the only ones who will enter into the gates of Zion are the ones who realize this and begin to give everything back to God. And that takes a lot of faith and trust. I understand. I was told about a church sign uh, one time I was driving by. It says, Salvation is so easy, a caveman could do it. Your salvation did not come from a caveman, listeners. And it did not come easy. What a horrible and despicable, foul statement. You talk to most people about their salvation, and it's almost as if if they think it's like a flu shot. They reply along the lines, you know, if you ask them, have you been saved, or are you in the blood? And they'll reply uh, somewhere along the lines, I did that, I took care of that a long time ago. Listeners, if you're not taking care of it today, then you did not take care of it a long time ago. You see, a true sign of repentance, again, is it started the day that you surrendered to Christ. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to obey the gospel call. And it is still in motion to this day. Whether that was yesterday or 50 years ago, the true sign that you believed in Christ is that you love him more and more deeply every day. God says, do not offer me your junk. Don't don't give me your blind and lame animals. Even today, I'm left with this impression from people that God is a beggar with a tin cup at Walmart asking for your spare coins. Church, folks, listeners, God is not poor. If everyone walking around suddenly became blind, it would not change the fact that the moon and the stars and the entire universe would not do away with God's glory and the, prese- and the presentation of his creation. The evil one and his angels, they, they fell away from God and God never sent them a savior. This does not change the fact that God is just who he is, loving and glorious. We get real excited over missions and uh, feeling good about them for us who've been in the mission field and so try to support missionaries. And this is a good feeling. There's nothing wrong with that. But I've wondered how many of us really understand mission work begins right in your own home and it begins in your lifetime. If I were ask you to write down on a sheet of paper and I'd ask you, what do you think God has called you to do in serving his church? What would you write down? Then I might ask you to write down everything that you personally have accomplished this past year through his church. What would you write down? And then on the back of a of the paper I would ask you to write down your plans for this upcoming year on how 
you are going to give your life away in the context of how you're going to serve Christ within the local congregation. My guess, 80% of the papers uh, would be blank. The church uh, growers are, are right now maybe 20%, but 80% of the work would be done by 10% of the people. If 80% of us had a blank sheet of paper to our employers, 80% of us would be on the unemployment line tomorrow. It is just not good enough to, to clock in and be at work. You see, because most employers, including mine, they expect you to work. That's why you're there. That's why they're paying you, is to achieve whatever it is that they're asking you to work on. So why is it, then, we carry this worldly attitude around with us and bring it to church and think, it's okay. If, if on the back side of your paper it was blank and, and you're saying, oh, I have no goals or visions. The excuses of, well, Jesus, you, will, you do not know how busy I am. Or, Jesus, I, I spent all my money on foolish things and I have nothing to give. Excuses are, are not going to carry you past the day of judgment. When Jesus gave you everything in order for you and me to have the opportunity to eternal life. He died. He truly died. You see, he gave you and me everything. And you and I, we don't, do not think that it would be offensive to him if, if we gave him our old broken down appliances and old clothes and lame excuses and we only give him less than an hour or so a week and, and we don't pray during the week, we don't read our Bibles during the week, we don't try to show others who Jesus is during the week. You see, if we do this and think that we're going to get by with it, you know, and then we want to know why. Especially in the Western world, why our children and grandchildren are growing up and leaving the church. What kind of legacy do you really want to pass on? You are not preparing our, our young people to stand before God one day. But we'd rather, we want them to play ball and sports and, and have doctor degrees and, and be involved in every kind of school activity. We're teaching them how to burn up time, our energy. And then parents and grandparents, they pour tons of money into these activities. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying we need to have priorities. And I know a lot of people get irritated when we talk about these kind of things. It's okay to let your children have fun at school. It's okay to let your children be involved in sports. But let's not forget God. You see, everything that we've worked so hard for one day uh, will either be burned up, it will become useless at some point, It'll become junk. So what really drives you and me? Because that's really where we'll be. And that's where all children will become too one day. And that terrifies me. As I've been on the pulpit, I, I, in the mission fields. You see, if we cannot support and invest 
into the gospel, into our local congregation, into mission work, then what? In case we've forgotten, the church is the bride of Christ. And we, we all really need to repent and begin serving God completely without conditions, attached or half-hearted offerings. The church, the bride of Christ. This is not a program to support your local school district. You see, this is eternal life. This is not one man's dream or a passion. This is God, our Creator, and our Savior. And this is who we really are talking about today. How does He look at us when we've been offering Him uh, all of our lives? Has it really been acceptable? You and I, we can give lip service just like the, the Pharisees did and others did as we read in our scripture reading. And we can all try to look good for everybody around us. But the question still remains, how does God see it? Let's not be fooling ourselves. Let's all of us, including me, let's Let's examine our lives and what we're giving and how we give back to Christ. So many people do give their lives. Even today, more and more people are being persecuted and, are, and killed proclaiming to be a Christian. And it, there really could be a day and time, even in America, where we have taken our freedom so lightly to be able to worship that one day we'll wake up and it will be gone if we do not start standing up and defending our right and encouraging our children to get to know who God is so that the next generation can carry on the message and more and more people can become a true disciple of Christ. And when we become a true disciple of Christ, we have eternal life. You and I cannot understand eternal life on this side uh, of the grave on this side of the of the second coming we just can't we're stuck in this flesh and we're bound in a world of time but the bible says it does exist and i believe it and i certainly hope that you do too well i appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to listen to this message i know it's probably not necessarily a popular one with many people but i certainly hope that you will reflect on what you're giving uh, back to Christ. Please pray for this uh, podcast and the ministry that we are trying to do uh, for our worldwide audience, that God will continue to bless it and give it growth. If you have prayer needs or requests, we do have on our webpage a, a prayer request uh, a page that we're getting started. And we would hope that you would submit your prayer request uh, through our webpage on the contact us page there. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, tell others about us and tune in next week and may God have the glory. Mm -hmm.